Hey, hey, welcome back to the show. Today, I'm gonna to interview with Dan Young. Dan is an incredible man, incredible entrepreneur, has scaled multiple businesses to the eight-figure range, has been on the Inc. 500 multiple times. You're gonna hear a lot about today in this episode about how he structures teams, how he helps build companies, and also how he, from a LP perspective, he's a very wealthy man, an LP perspective, how he looks at young guys like me or other people listening to the show pitching him on funds and what he likes to see in that scenario. I think you guys will really enjoy this episode. Listen the whole thing. If you wanna watch the video, we have it posted on YouTube as well on our channel, and I hope you guys enjoy. I've spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious fund managers around, and now I've decided to take the plunge and start my own fund. The real question is, how will I do it with no investors and without an Ivy League degree? This podcast is going to give you the answer. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we start and build multi-million dollar investment funds. I'm Bridger Pennington, and this is Investment Fund Secrets. All right, welcome back to the show. Today we've got with us Dan Young. Dan has, is a serial entrepreneur, done a lot of things you're gonna hear about in today's episode. You've already heard a little bit of his, his resume coming into this, but won the Inc. 500, or on the Inc. 500, what, four or five times? Zadex, mm-hmm. yep. huge gaming online community. You've done PC laptops. You've done all sorts of stuff, built teams, and you actually do a lot of real estate products on the side as well right now. Correct. Has been pitched by many young fund managers, young syndicate managers trying to come mm-hmm. get money from this guy. So we're going to walk through today's episode about how you run teams, how you structure teams, how you structure partners, and then also how people like us can come pitch you and get yes. money from guys like you. Okay. So welcome to the burn, show. Burning a hole in my pocket. <laughs> yeah. Dan, how are you doing today? Great, dude. Thanks for inviting me on, man. This is going to be really fun. So let's start out first off. Tell us a little bit about your story. I, so you, I know now you're, you know, very high net worth, doing very well, ran multiple companies and give us a, first off, sorry, give us an overview of your businesses right now all the spaces you're in and what you're doing currently. Okay, so we have a company called Zydex, Mm. X-I-D-A-X.com, and we sell high-performance gaming computers, Mm. and they're also used by content creators and Mm -hmm. uh, just anybody who wants to play some video games. Uh, So so, and you custom build them. Right, right? custom build. Well, you actually custom build them on the website. Okay. And then we hand build them right in the U.S. for it. Yep. Awesome. And then, so you do that. And you do contracts with government agencies. You do all sorts of stuff. Gaming computers is kind of the main the main gig right now? Yeah, you know, a lot of content creators are using them to actually uh, make video games themselves mm, okay. and new movies and things like that. Uh, but also pro gamers, you know, everyone who's streaming on, online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. You know, like, okay, mm-hmm. cool. And COVID's, I think, helped you guys a lot, right? Everyone's online. Everyone's got want a new gaming computer. Yeah. Yeah, play games and create <laughs> stuff at the same time, you know? Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, so take us back a little bit. I want to hear about your story. Okay. About your parents coming over from China. I mean, you told me the story over the weekend. Okay. I was amazed. This is a really cool story. Yeah, your hustle crazy. as a young kid. Get in the entrepreneurial space. I'd love to hear it. Okay. So my uh, parents grew up in China, Shanghai, in mm-hmm. Jingtao, China. And uh, there was a war during this World War II time. Mm. Communist invasions, all kinds of terrible stuff. Um, they were really pretty well-to-do people in China. Mm-hmm. Um, but when there was this big war and invasion, they blew up their house and took everything they had. Oh, they wow. went from everything to zero. Hmm. Wow. Right? And so um, so my dad helped some American soldiers uh, on a little bit of a little mission. Hmm and uh, helped them uh, defeat some of the enemy. And so the soldiers um, helped them hmm. immigrate to America. <laughs> oh, okay. Right, so they yeah. all landed in LA, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and what years is this about? This is like 1940 uh, something, late okay, 40s. somewhere around there, okay. Yeah. And so then my, my dad was a janitor, my mom got a job as a bank teller, you know, wow. counting cash. And, and your parents were very well-to-do in China. You guys were wealthy, doing well. Oh, they you were come to super America, doing great, yeah. And now your dad's a janitor. How was that for your parents? Was that a big? status like 
Yeah. Was it hard for them? Or I mean, well, yeah. How was that for them? Not really weird because they're they've been super. They're super humble people, mm. you know, and so they're like, you know, you got to do what you got to do to do what you got to do. Mm. Yeah. So cleaning floors and all that stuff, you mm. know. So what happened is uh, after he did that, um, he started uh, working for. He went to art college, Pasadena Art Center. Mm. Okay. And then became one of the head art directors for Mattel Corporation. You know, they make the Barbie dolls and oh, okay. Matchbox yep. cars mm-hmm. and things like that. And uh, he actually had an assistant who was this like blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy because there was a lot of uh, racial tension back then, mm, okay. you know, with all the war going yeah. on with Japan and everything. Yeah. Um, so uh, it was, he became one of the top artists there, and um, my mom did really well in banking, mm. you know, got promoted pretty well, and, and, and did well. So that was me born in Los Angeles, California. Yeah. So they're living, they, and truly, I love, I love immigrant stories, and I, I think there's, and a lot of books I've read, it talks about the immigrant mentality mm-hmm. and why immigrants do very well in America, typically. Yeah. Uh, more than other other demographics, which is, I think is pretty cool. So you get born in LA, mm-hmm. you're raised. Walk us through, and I love, yeah. Walk us through how you got started in entrepreneurship. Okay, well, I was kind of a bad teenager, right? Yeah. I got in really big trouble just doing really dumb things, right? <laughs> yeah. Partying too much, and, uh, and so I actually went to juvenile detention uh, facility. Oh no way! F- for six months. Oh shoot. Okay. Yeah, I was really a bad teenager. <laughs> yeah. So they exported me to Utah, where my sister was working at the University of Utah as an academic advisor. Mm. So she took me in kicked me out after 30 days and I'm like, I gotta pay rent, right? Mm. So uh, I started selling carpet cleaning, okay. telemarketing, carpet yeah. cleaning. And in the very beginning, I think the first month though, I made her like five grand just selling carpet cleaning. And I'm like, this is not hard. It's <laughs> not bad, right? eh? You just got the phone book and you're dialing. Yeah. On weekends, I would sell Ginsu knives, you know, those like crazy oh, uh-huh. commercial knives, yeah. brass knuckles, pepper gas, stuff like that yeah. at the swap meet. Okay. Right? <laughs> And uh, at first, you know, I set up this table like this, mm-hmm. and I put the goods out, and nobody was buying them. Yeah. But then I started watching some crazy commercials, right, on TV. Yeah. Bruce uh-huh. Lee movies and things. Okay. And so I, I put on my karate gi. Oh, you you went all out. I totally wore you my gi. You decked out, okay. Got my samurai sword thing and all yeah. the knives and stuff, and then I started, like, dicing and slicing in front of everybody. Oh, wow. And we made, like, a grand or two or something the first uh, day. Yeah. And then the next day we made a grand or two. Oh, wow. So it, w- it was just fun, man. You go out there, have fun, and, and sell stuff. <laughs> yeah. you know? And I know just yeah. from your personality, you're an entertainer type. Yeah. Yeah, you like that kind of stuff. Did you have to, was it pretty scary learning? Did, how, how did you learn? I uh, just copy the guy on TV. You know, you just, he's, just cutting <laughs> the, he's cutting the vegetables, you're cutting the vegetables. He's cutting yeah. the rope, you're cutting the rope. You know? Jeez, that's yeah. awesome. So, so then it shifted, though. It shifted big time, though. Because hmm. I had this desire to go into tech. Right. Okay. I really wanted to go into tech. So I worked at Radio Shack in the mall. Okay. Right. Sold Getting this into tech, yeah. Radio Shack, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like <laughs> the, the tech, tech career, yeah. <laughs> so I uh, got the job at Radio Shack, mm-hmm. and uh, this old guy comes in, and um, he needs a fuse for shortwave radio. Mm, so yeah. I hook him up, and I'm like, okay, got him this fuse. He's like, you know what? Do you need a mentor? Hmm. And I was like, oh. So he went to lunch, and he said, hey, I sold my company for almost half a billion dollars, and I'm kind of bored now. Mm. Play with my shortwave radio. He's like, maybe we can meet once a week and teach me about tech stuff, and I can teach you about how to make money. Hmm. And, That's a good uh, setup, yeah. Yeah, from there it got great. And then, to make a long story short, I went to work at this other place called Silo, which was like a Circuit City Best Buy type okay. of thing. Became uh, one of the top sales guys there selling computers. Mm-hmm. They went bankrupt after I became like a district manager. Hmm. And so I got the list of all the customers who bought computers, and I just mm-hmm. cold called them hmm. and told them I'd honor their warranty. Oh wow! Right. Okay. So that yeah. first year, I lost twenty-seven grand in the red, and the next year, we did over a million in rev and made like uh, three hundred grand or something. So wait, hold on. You yeah. took the risk. You called them, said we'll cover yeah. your warranties, and that that cost you a lot of money. Oh, dude, negative twenty-seven. Negative twenty-seven 000. grand. 
Yeah, that's and, all I had, man. Oh, and my, and my credit cards. On. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was crazy. <laughs> but you were you knew you were banking on they were going to come back repeat purchases. You were mm-hmm. going to build a, a customer base, mm-hmm. which it worked. Mm-hmm. Did a million dollars next year. Mm-hmm. Jeez, that's awesome. So then we started PC yeah. laptops, mm-hmm. and that's our retail. Yeah. And then uh, it was, fast forward a little bit, we started a cloud company, Storage Whale, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And they do uh, enterprise cloud backup. Mm-hmm. And then we started gaming computers about a decade ago, mm-hmm. and cool. uh, it's been. Cool it's been there. just up since then, yeah. Cool. And gaming, yeah, all those industries are blowing up. It's yeah. a good place to be. Mm-hmm. I think something, at least from my point of view, looking at your whole career, you're really good at sales. From day one oh, yeah. to right now, you're good at sales. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people watching, you know, want to start a fund or want to pitch people, and it's a sales. And I always say, good fund managers are good marketers or good salesmen, right? Because mm-hmm. then you market, you market your fund, whether you think you're marketing or not, you're doing marketing. So walk us through some of your. If you're talking to somebody that's brand new into sales. Mm-hmm. Whether it's selling carpet, selling computers, or selling a fund, or selling a real mm-hmm. estate deal, what are some some common threads that you've seen in the sales world that you could teach somebody on, on the show? Um, the big thing is, you know, to sell, you need, mm-hmm. you need to have a lot of energy, right? Mm-hmm. And you need a lot of intelligence, mm-hmm. and you need a lot of integrity. Mm-hmm. Those three things are like the, the magic recipe to being able to sell. Because mm-hmm. in selling, your idea is to find out what their problem is and present a solution, mm-hmm. right? and solve their problems, hopefully continuously, right? Mm, yeah. And that's how you build repeat business. So, intelli- energy, mm-hmm. intelligence, integrity. Right. So do you look, I know you, hired a lot of sa- you hire a lot of sales guys. Mm-hmm. Is that, those are the three metrics you look for when hiring? Well, that, Almost, as simple as that. Yeah. Just you, you boil it down to those three things. Yeah, I don't care about degrees or whatever, it's like. It, and are those yeah. things you need to be born, like born with? Like, is it just like, because you always hear the term, well, I was a born salesman. What do you think? Is it nature or nurture with, with sales guys? And, and Well, mama taught you integrity, mm-hmm. right? Your energy can be cultivated, mm-hmm. but a lot of times maybe you were diagnosed with ADD or a spaz or whatever mm-hmm. and you had a lot of energy. Yeah. Or maybe you were just, you know, um, high energy. Maybe mm-hmm. you were good at whatever you, you know you did. Yeah. Um, so it, it, the intelligence part, it, it doesn't have to be massively high. Mm-hmm. You just need to be competent in what you're selling. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know? So you're saying it's, it's yeah, it's... 50-50. Yeah, there's things you can cultivate and develop, but also born with a little bit yeah. on there. I like that. Okay. Yeah. Anybody so, can develop those areas. Yeah. Too. So you now do a lot of real estate deals. Is that right? Yeah. Haphazardly, I got into real estate okay. by buying the locations our retail stores uh, mm. occupied. Mm. And that was like the beginning of real estate. But, uh, so you're, you're just buying your own building. Mm-hmm. Using that, then, then from there, what? Like, have you done other stuff, or you just you're buying your buildings, or what, what does it look like? So buying our buildings, though, mm-hmm. and then I started buying a lot of residential mm-hmm. uh, okay. properties in, in Sugar House, you know, Utah, okay. right there. Lots of just fixer uppers and that, uh-huh. rolling up your sleeves, getting stuff fixed up, mm-hmm. flipping those, you know, quite a bit. And then are you uh, fixing them up? Are you out there doing Chip and Joe? The, my games first or? house. My you, did, fir- you did one house. The first one was horrible. Okay. It turned. I can't believe someone bought it, but <laughs> okay. you know. Um, and then, did you want to just do it for the experience, or try it out? Because you'd already made money by that point, right? Um, yeah, doing pretty good. You're doing it, pretty good. So, yeah. like, why why take two months off to flip a house? Just to understand uh, what it takes. Mm-hmm. I wanted to understand. So, like anything, like building computers, mm-hmm. I actually built them with a screwdriver, selling them. So every role in my company, mm-hmm. I wasn't the best at, but I wanted to understand how it worked and the struggles. You mm-hmm. know, gotcha. Okay, so that's why. So okay, yeah. so you flip the house, but the other houses, you so you do a lot of residential. What else do you Before. do? So now I've moved more into commercial real estate. So what we mm-hmm. do is we take empty big box, like an empty Kmart. Okay. We'll take that, we'll gut it out, mm-hmm. right? And we'll make it nice and fresh. We'll put in either office or mm-hmm. medical in there. Yeah. 
throw a nice coffee shop on the pad or, you know, a car dealership if it's big enough. Mm -hmm. um, that's typically what we'll do. So we'll take grungy stuff and make it really nice. Okay, that's interesting. And how many, have you done this already? Or is it in the process? Or oh, no. In fact, well, our last one that we did is in uh, Midville. And we did, one in, we did some in Orem and then downtown. And uh, so I'm looking for more because I think there's going to be a lot more empty big box mm -hmm. you know, opportunities. I've actually had a few people on this show talk about that opportunity. And everyone's got different ideas. It's like, hey, we've got a JCPenney. And we're going to gut it and put in X. And then you guys are going to do Y. And then everyone's, everyone's got this cool idea. And I think it's a very good opportunity. Mm -hmm. right? People need space. Maybe just not JCPenney space. They need mm -hmm. something else. Um, are your deals, are you raising money at all? Or is it just all your money? How are you guys doing these deals? Do no, you know what I'm I haven't raised $1 for our companies or for anything. Mm. Um, but that's actually why I was really interested in visiting with you. Mm. You know, yeah. and also, you know, your family, you, you guys yeah. do that. Mm -hmm. And uh, because I have so many friends, though, that really want to invest and they don't mm -hmm. know where to go. Most, we're all tech guys, right? Mm -hmm. So we know how to make cash. Yeah. Um, so I've self-funded all the deals right now. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So... I want to ask you, now I, we're going to circle around a lot of different topics here, okay. but I want to ask you about, you You run a lot of businesses, right. a lot of irons in the fire. Mm -hmm. I want to first off ask you how, you how you do that. What's your mindset? How do you manage each one of these business verticals? Mm -hmm. um, how do you hire partners in those verticals? Okay. Um, what, tell, explain to me the systems that you use, that you think about internally to manage those I don't know how many companies or, or things you're running like right five, now. Right like now. five right now. Yeah, how yeah, do you yeah. do that? Well, tell me, walk me through the systems and still be Okay, safe. where do you want to start? Let's start with your, your computer, your computer businesses. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And we'll go into real estate. Yeah, so I want to hear the whole portfolio and how you manage that portfolio of companies. Uh, okay, so it's really not that tough to do. First things first is get down and write down a piece of paper every single system process that you have. Because mm. if it's written, it's real. You document everything. Mm. So it has to be that someone could pick up this instruction manual and execute mm -hmm. on that without a lot of question marks, right? Mm -hmm. So you do all the mathematics and about how everything is done from the sales pitch, written in a script. Mm -hmm. I mean, it should be done the same way. The way people are greeted into like retail, if it's mm -hmm. retail locations, mm -hmm. um, to how, how often the teams report out, right? Mm -hmm. Like we need these reports at this cadence, mm -hmm. right? And then what we do is we automate things so that these reports fire off automatically so you take out some human error mm -hmm. um, yeah. with that. So that's the basic fundamental of that. Um, but then also you need great people, right? Mm -hmm. Which, yeah, yeah, I'd love to talk about the people you bring on. And I've been, actually on this show, I've been preaching this last six months is entrepreneurs are good at just building stuff, getting stuff off the ground and just making stuff happen. Mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a transition though that I've been going through right now is between an entrepreneur to a CEO. Mm -hmm. CEOs are in the business of building systems mm -hmm. and managing systems. Mm -hmm. And they're not, they're not doing the entrepreneur. They got a transition eventually. And I've, I feel like I'm in this process. We've hired, a, you know, I don't know, a dozen or so people in the last three months. Yeah. And I'm transitioning to that point of, and that's good advice for me, of writing things down, making systems, and then watching how the system runs. Would you say that's an accurate way to, to describe it? Exactly. It's super important. But people are the core foundation. So no matter mm -hmm. how great it is written, you have to have the right players. So walk us through players then. How do you bring on, and a lot of people are launching funds, businesses mm -hmm. right now, partners, early stages of, of doing that, and then later on, bringing on good players as well. Yeah, so a few things. Um, with partners... I have done some in some of our deals before where I did bring in some partners, right? Mm -hmm. and, 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 a, and a rule that I always put in there is I don't usually like more than one like high, high level partner in the mm -hmm. beginning calling the shots though. Mm -hmm. If someone can actually, you know, make ultimate overriding decisions. If you have three guys, mm -hmm. then two guys gang up on one guy, mm -hmm. right? A lot of times. So in my role has been 
have really at most two really strong and usually they'll complement each other because one guy will be more the sales you know super energetic mm -hmm. guy and the other guy will be the analytics dude mm -hmm. and, they'll, and the process guy yeah and that's a that's like a mentos and coke you know <laughs> yeah it just blows up yeah yeah so have your business has been that way Mm -hmm. you, are you more of a solo, like I like to do my, and I hire teams, or do you like, are you have partners, you brought in a few partners with you? So what I do is when I bring in partners though, I usually will find a shining gem at mm. uh, usually one of the larger tech companies out there in California or whatnot, and uh, we'll court them and recruit them. Mm, okay. But really is the biggest fear that a lot of these guys have now is, and what they hate is working for a big publicly traded company is they're treated like a number and they feel expendable, mm -hmm. right? So they don't really feel like they're making a difference, right? Yeah. And so this is an opportunity where you're hiring people who could actually be your competition, hmm. right? Yeah. You should hire people that you would actually work for yourself, hmm. right? That's, that's, that's prime. Um, and then you create a really great compensation plan, which gives them a 15, 20 year outlook on their future. Hmm. So you need to have their 20 years wow. laid out because there's so much jumping. Mm -hmm. But with a partner, a lot of times when you're operating, you know, it's, it's great to have one that has a long-term commitment, unless something amazing happens and someone, someone writes a massive mm -hmm. check, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's at least been my theory. Mm -hmm. So what, what does that compensation package look like? Is okay. it usually just equity or what are you, what are you doing? Especially with your top players, maybe they're not equity owners, but what do you, how does that look like? So what you first want to do is find out what their burn rate is, right? Every mm. month, what does it cost for them to operate their own personal household? Mm. Okay. You sit down, you write that down. Mm. And the idea is to pay them more than that. But you ask them, if you had to live on ramen noodles, what would it take? Mm. Yeah. That's their fear zone. And if they're running outside their fear zone, mm. then what happens is they have anxiety, performance anxiety, and they don't do well, and they'll be job hunting at the same time, right? Mm. So you always pay more. And it's okay mm. to give a little bit more, right? Then what I like to do is pay them either on revenue or gross profit, depending mm. on their mental maturity level. Mm. Interesting, yeah. So if they're younger, a lot of times they like revenue-based. Hey, we sold this much, I get this percentage, right, mm. of, the net, of, that pro uh, of the revenue. Or if they're a little bit more mentally mature and they can actually adjust and control and tweak a lot of the, the operational costs, mm -hmm. then you make them on a, a net profit. Net profit. Okay. Yeah. And these are, and you do, so most of your employees, how many employees would you say are on some kind of revenue or profit sharing, gross profit sharing program? So I always put commanders in. And what I mean by commander is mm -hmm. it's usually one commander for 12 men and women. Mm, okay. Okay. Uh, it's like, uh, that's the ratio that I found that one person can manage at most 12 directs. Mm, okay. Right. And then you'll create the sub commander and so forth. If you're running a subdivision or a separate company, um, you pay them off that unit. Mm, yeah. Right. That business unit. Yeah. You pay them off that, that business sense. unit though. Um, so they get a, a, a basis of, uh, of, of revenue mm -hmm. or gross profit. Right. Um, but also what I like to do is do what they call an escalating uh, percentage of compensation. Mm -hmm. So every year they're running that deal for you. Mm -hmm. You give them another half a point, quarter point, 1%, whatever it is, and you draw that out as a 15-year plan. Mm, okay. Right? And so your retention is great. But, you know, but it, you, you sit down and actually pull the calculator and say, this is you know, year five, year seven, what you should be making if we're hitting our goals. Yeah, you just punch right? it into a spreadsheet. And you it's just like show a giant them, pro forma. Yeah, year 15, you're going to be a multimillionaire kind of a thing. Yeah, and it's, it's worked great because, yeah, like, you know, a lot of the guys, you know, they, I was like, man, after three years, I'm making 300 grand, you know, mm -hmm. a year. This is great. And, and that's money that they may be making if they did their own deal. Mm -hmm. but they can see the future and they're using your money mm -hmm. yeah. so they got no risk yeah right huh. so it's good for them that's a good way to do it and that you said that helps with, with, with retention oh quite yeah a bit, right to keep and maintain good people in your in your companies mm -hmm. so that's on yeah your retail side of things 
Mm-hmm. Is that similar model when you're doing real estate deals or other your other verticals? Most of the real estate deals have been, uh, in the beginning, were projects that we were occupying. You know, mm-hmm. and the real estate deals um, that we do now, um, we're not, again, we're not bringing in a lot of partners, though, mm-hmm. um, right now. Most of those, I'll just, self, I'll just self-fund mm-hmm. and make it happen. And know? then you bring on one, are you doing the deal? Are you thinking through the deal? Or are they, you bringing on a good real estate partner? You're like the money guy, and they, you bring on a real estate partner? Or are you thinking through the real estate and actually the mind behind the real estate as well? Uh, both. Yeah. You do both. Right okay. now, I look at it, do the math on it, do everything on it, buy the deal, mm-hmm. then hire the guys, fix it up, do what we need to do. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you'll use uh, real estate agents to lease it out and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right? But you, so you're doing both then. You're yeah. kind of doing all of it together. Cool. So yeah. do you have any other big, big partners inside of your real estate deals or is it mainly just you? No, just me. Just, just you. Just okay. Wow. Yeah. It's impressive. Okay. Yeah. Um, Wow, that's awesome. Well, I, I'll have to check up on you in six months, see how these deals are doing a year from now, see uh, yeah. see what's going on. That's pretty exciting. Now, you mentioned to me earlier that you were looking at launching a fund, potentially. Yes. Just because you had so many friends who had money. Yes. They were like, Dan, what do I do with my yes. money, right? Yes, yes, That's where I need your expertise. Okay, people listening to the show, there is so much money out there. Stop. I get people always oh, tell man. me, would you agree? Yeah, I mean, every week I'll get two or three guys calling me, hey, dude, I got an extra million bucks. I got an extra two or three million. What do I do, mm-hmm. man? They're, they're like techie people, my circle, right? Uh-huh. And so they're like, what do I put it in? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you're like, oh, but yeah. There's, there's a lot of money out there. So whoever tells you, people listening to this show, there's money. Oh, yeah. You just got to have a good enough deal, good enough, and get in the right room to pitch those people. So let's talk about that for a minute. Okay. Now, I'm, I'm guessing, we talked about this earlier, I'm sure you've been pitched a lot, right? A lot. A yeah. lot by people whatever deal it is mm-hmm. it could be anything right mm-hmm. what so i like having you on so to take it from the other side of the table a lot of us we talk about the structuring of the fund getting it ready to go to pitch someone like you mm-hmm. what are some things that you would share with people like us me or people listening to the show launching a fund or syndicate looking to pitch a guy like you mm-hmm. some do's and don'ts that you would see inside of a pitch a pitch deck or a pitch room when someone's pitching you on a deal one thing i like to see is really clear math Mm-hmm. And, you know, I see a lot of guys coming for money, but they don't have very clear performance mm, okay. of where it's going to be. Or it's just wishful thinking performa, mm. you know. A little too many assumptions. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that bugs me. The, the second thing um, that I think is really, really important that is if there's already some other guys, you know, within, let's say, uh, your, your circle of influence mm-hmm. that have participated, Hmm. you know, that, that have done a few more deals before, then it makes me more confident. Mm, interesting. You know, kind of like yeah. Jeff, you know, one of the, our mentors, right? Uh-huh. Jeff, Jeff's like, yeah, I did that. Yeah. Okay, man. <laughs> you know, and you feel good about it. Yeah. If one of somebody else, you know, in your circle has already invested in a similar deal or that same deal. Exactly. Especially mm-hmm. if they have way, way, you know, deeper pockets than you mm-hmm. and they've put in, then it's like, well, okay. And if you have a longstanding mm-hmm. relationship and they tell you it's pretty good, that most of your diligence right there, they've already done a mm-hmm. lot of deals. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah. So don't underestimate the value of a referral. Mm, oh yeah. yeah. A, re- a referral from someone that you respect. Yes. It's a lot. You're a lot easier to say, yeah, I'll pull the trigger and write a check. Mm-hmm. Interesting. As long as it's in their area of expertise of deals, though, because I've had like really mm-hmm. awesome, prominent mentors in my circle mm-hmm. that you know they're like, this looks pretty good, but it's not an area that I'm really too familiar with. What do you think? And I'm like, mm-hmm. whoa. They're like, I put a little bit in there, uh-huh. and then we're gambling, right? Yeah. We're, we're picking a random stock. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so you mentioned. Math. Make sure the math is correct. Mm-hmm. Secondly, um, you know, other people in your circle, mm-hmm. social. I guess that social, whatever you want to call it, social. What's it called? Social influence or yeah, your circle. Your of circle influence of people that do it. What else? What else would you say for a deal that you're like, if they do these five things, I'm a, I'm a yes every time. Collateral. 
collateral. Okay. I mean, that's that's ma major. So, for example, my, there's this a friend of mine. He came to me with this this deal he wanted me to put in, and uh, he had a bunch of check cashing stores. Hmm, they wanted okay. to open a whole bunch more. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to look at the books mm -hmm. of, of what was actually going on. And he gave me some of his performance and stuff like that. But um, he had collateral. Yeah. So he's like, you, you're going to make this much is what we're looking at. But these assets back that. So if, you know, mm. if, if things get dicey, you can get those. And so that, so right? we can file sometimes on some of these deals, like we can file the UCC and things like that. Mm -hmm. So we have massive collateral. Mitigates your risk a lot. Oh, yeah. That gives you risk. sleeps really good if it's oh, solid, yeah. you know? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So collateral. I love it. Anything else? Um, collateral's a, yeah. I mean, that, 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 that's actually a big decider. And then. Mm -hmm. You know, a rate of return that's above the median of deals like that. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, as long as the math backs it. Mm -hmm. you, you see so what I'm saying? Seems, yeah. Yeah, because a lot of times I see so many, probably 90% of them, that these guys run up and they don't even have a good pro forma and the math doesn't add up. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like they had an entrepreneurial seizure, right? <laughs> yeah. And there's like, hey, let's get money for this. Uh -huh. And you're like, uh, mm -hmm. dicey. And, you know, yeah. I just say no. You'll just pass, yeah. That's just right. pass. Yeah, that's on cool, bro. Would you say you're a pretty active investor in other people's deals, or do you? I mean, you obviously invest in your own deals a lot. Would mm -hmm. you say, hey, I, you know, usually I'm just gonna invest in my own stuff? What would you say? I'd say probably the majority I invest in my own stuff, but yeah. when I do invest in other deals, which I have, mm -hmm. for example, we invested in a chain of car lots, hmm, right? Okay. And they had good books going back like five years, and it was obvious, right? It was mm -hmm. completely obvious, and they just needed more square footage and they needed another location on the other side of the mm -hmm. valley, right? And all these things. And, um, and they needed money to have inventory. Mm, yeah. I'm like, this is no brainer. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, because, I mean, it works. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you got collateral. You've got, right? Um, did you have collateral on the other, the cars at least? Yeah. So he's, the... he's like, you're, you're, you're accounting people. Your people can hold all the titles, man. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah. So we had stacks of titles. So it here. makes it, yeah, it makes it way safe for you and easy for you to do. Yeah. And that's uh. nothing to lose. This is a little personal question, but have you ever had someone pitch you that's committed fraud or stolen money from you? Absolutely. Yeah? Oh yeah. How did that? And, and have you ever? Like, how do you look through and and detect fraud mm -hmm. and detect if someone's lying to you? Because a lot of us, you know, people watching, even like me, I'm going to look to buy a real estate project, but I've got to look into fraud on that project as well. Right? So it's so the partner. It's the partner. Mm -hmm. The people who who are back, who are the guys. Great people leave great things in their wake. Mm, okay. So reputationally, mm -hmm. if they have left great things in their wake, you know, because if you Google somebody and they've got a lot of horrible horror stories going back mm -hmm. and the FTC rulings and all kinds of mm -hmm. stuff, yeah. well, don't deal with that guy, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's as simple as that. If they've got a clean track record of good deal flow, then you just, you do their, their, your diligence, mm -hmm. right? And then you So you'll do it. a lot of research on the person. Oh, Before background head. check them. You do the whole thing, hey? Oh, yeah. man, everything. Yeah. I'll look at them. I'll have my guys look at them on every one of their social media platforms, mm -hmm. see what's going on, see their history, what are they posting, what are they about? Because you got to know, you know, especially yeah. with the smaller deals, you know, mm -hmm. where you have a guy, hey, that's a great idea, you know? Yeah. And you're trying, yeah, you got to trust on the character of that person. Interesting. Mm -hmm. um, no, I really like that. And I think it's funny, it's 2020, right? Or, you know, everyone talks about, well, it's contract. There's not really the handshake mentality anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I've actually interviewed a lot of guys like you that say that. They'll say reputation has a lot of weight oh, and yeah. your reputation spreads fast. Don't, Quick. don't underestimate your, your reputation doing deals in this space. If you screw one person off, you know, mm -hmm. or, you know, bone them somehow and it doesn't work out, 
that's going to trickle and tell you a lot of people in the area of the valley, whatever you want to call it, are going to know about that. Oh yeah. And uh, I think that's, that's valuable for people like me to know starting young in this, you know, in this path. There, there is something that. that you want to do. I want you to do this immediately if you haven't though, you know, in LinkedIn, you're on LinkedIn, right? Mm -hmm. um, you want people to write testimonials of good deal transaction. Mm, interesting. Right. So if they're high level people with a large network, Hey, I did a deal with this guy and he helped us a lot and it really worked. Hmm, yeah. And if you get enough of those going back, the more of those you get, you can even send your LinkedIn profile mm -hmm. and that'll establish confidence because they probably might even know someone who knows them mm -hmm. and they can validate your Reach out directly and yeah, validate it. Oh, interesting. That's a yeah. cool way to do it. Yeah. It's almost like yeah, gathering reviews for yourself. Yeah, I so it is. It's like interesting. That. Your own brand. Um, oh, that's, that's really smart. Mm -hmm. So you do a background check. Anything else you do for detecting fraud on a deal? So you check that person out. Let's say they're clean. Anything else you'll look at to make sure that it's not a fraudulent deal? Um, just like it's like a credit check, right? So you talk to other people that have done deals with them. Mm -hmm. You know, how did yeah. it turn out? And they're gonna give you one thing. Oh man, it was great. Mm -hmm. Or they'll give you that, I don't wanna say, man. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Or they'll say, and it's like horrible nightmare. Yeah, know? gotcha. I mean, it's not too tough to, to, to do to, that. To detect. <laughs> yeah. And even, you know, simply, you don't even have to know these these a lot of these people in their you know network if they say they've they've worked to deal with this guy or that guy you can just direct message and, hey i'm thinking about doing a deal with this guy did you have a good experience mm -hmm. yeah you know they're either like if, they, if they're under nda or something they can't say anything it'll yeah. just be like can't comment then you know mm -hmm. they suck mm -hmm. yeah you know? interesting so today what's the date today it's it's like what are we in we're in october 2020 yeah, yeah. um the filming it will probably get us out in a week or two mm -hmm. um what is your outlook and from your chair, your position, running all sorts of tech companies, you're in the real estate space as well. What is your outlook for, depending if Trump or Biden wins, we, mm -hmm. don't, know, we don't know yet. Maybe mm -hmm. by the time this comes out, we'll, we'll hopefully know if we have a president. But what does your outlook look like for 2021, 2022? Assets that could possibly be purchased, um, industries that will, will blow up. I mean, we have stimulus money. We could have inflation. We have all sorts of threats coming on. What's kind of mm -hmm. your outlook on things right now? I'll say, let's just give you two plays, whether it goes left or right. How's that, right? Yeah. If it goes right, uh, we know it'll be favorable for new tax laws to pay mm -hmm. less taxes, capital gains, staying good, estate taxes, good, yeah. depreciation being nice and juicy and all yeah. those beautiful things. Um, so that's a no-brainer to buy. And I, I think there'll be some confidence to continue to, in incentives to keep developing more. Mm right. So we'll probably experience kind of what we've done in the last four years before COVID, right? Mm. And have this con constant tick up. Mm -hmm. and, and the government will encourage deals, right? Mm, yeah. They'll really encourage deals. If it goes left, it'll actually be a great grand opportunity as well. Mm. Uh, it's not going to be the end of the world. Mm -hmm. They'll change the laws around. It's not going to be actually as bad as a lot of people think. Mm, okay. um, and if it does go left, we can't do anything about it anyway. So you just got to take advantage of it. And one example was when there was a big uh, change from like the, the Bush administration over the Obama administration, mm -hmm. um, you just saw them change some laws. And an example was back in Y2K and all that, you know, uh -huh. year 2000. Year everyone, 2000, okay. Everyone was buying like a H1, a Hummer 1, or big, huge vehicles, right? Because mm -hmm. you could ride off with a Section 179, pretty much the whole vehicle, mm -hmm. multiple vehicles. So people are like, let's buy big trucks and big cars, right? <laughs> you could write, you could buy a couple of these and just write them all off. Oh yeah, total tax deduction. Yeah, I mean, if you had, you talked to your CPA and did it right. Really? Okay. It was really so. That's yeah. why everyone was buying Escalades and and Hummers and all Hummers. sorts of big, yeah, heavy, heavy usage cars. Yeah. Yeah. So they changed the law. So they're like, it's unfair for wealthy people to buy all these luxury cars and the government subsidizing them. Mm -hmm. um, but again, people on the left, on the top of the left and the right, they're all wealthy anyway. Yeah. So they want to take advantage. So like, we're removing that. 
but they didn't tell you they changed the law so you could 100% write off certain types of business leases. Mm. So then everyone just started leasing Lambos. Yeah, they just go lease. Yeah, I get like a Lambo, a Ferrari, <laughs> McLaren. Yeah. You know, and, and, and run and that. write that off, yeah. 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 So it's just a shift. And so mm-hmm. the big thing is just to be educated on how they change those laws. Mm-hmm. Plus, I think what we'll see is this. If it does, if, if we do go left, um, if they futz with uh, capital gains, mm-hmm. right? So, so you know, short-term, like long-term capital yeah. gains. If, it, if they make it, you know, full income tax rate based on like ordinary income, you may see some corrections in certain areas of the market. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe Utah's been a little bit insulated here where we live, right? Yeah. Um, but across the country, you may see some, some interesting stuff. And that's a grand opportunity to buy. Hmm. So you, and I love the way you look at things. Mm-hmm. And that's how I love, uh, most business owners I talk to, they go, well, I, I'm gonna vote one way, but if e- either way that happens, I'm gonna make money either way. Yeah. So I'll figure out the loophole or the, the way around it, right? Oh yeah. Um, which is a very interesting way to, th- to, to look at things, mm-hmm. right? Um, is is whatever happens i'm going to take advantage of that change and so you're mentioning so if it goes left like we're saying uh if it goes left some certain opportunity you want to explain do you want to expound upon which what you think now we can't give investing advice on no, here we're not, we're not giving gonna, this so it's all personal opinion so talk to your financial uh, planner <laughs> yeah. and cpa but um, what do you think what are some areas if, if biden wins that will shift there's gonna be a big money shift in those areas so if you talk equities first of all stocks okay. right um, if they take away some of the uh, corporate tax uh, law changes that came in the 17, yeah. um, that's going to lower the earnings, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that could cause an adjustment. It hurts their companies, yeah. Right. Um, yeah. But again, once it adjusts, everybody gets over it. Okay, mm-hmm. this is the environment we're living in. So bye, bye, bye. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then it will go back up because people got to put their money somewhere, right? Yeah. When we got a couple trillion dollars moving to the markets, right? That have to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Got to put it somewhere, right? Yeah. Where are you going to put it, right? Yeah. And then I think also you'll see with, again, with real estate, we talked about, you'll see some, some adjustments there because of capital gains. Mm-hmm. One thing I do think it'll be interesting in, when the election happens, once they've decided who's actually president, mm-hmm. if it happens within a couple, before the end of the year, right, and they figure out, mm-hmm. like, who's the president? Yeah. If it goes uh, towards Biden, you will probably see a lot of old dudes selling their property. Because mm-hmm. they're going to be the like... 1031? Well, no, they're, they're going to want to sell it because they're afraid they're going to mess with capital gains maybe oh, in 21. okay. Gotcha. They want to get that tax. Oh yeah, let's sell it and just pay twenty percent or whatever it is right now, whatever the rate they're in, versus ordinary income. Mm, Interesting. There will be a mad, I think, a mad rush, um, Mm. especially for you know a lot of these these guys that have the older guys that have like strip malls and things like that, Mm -hmm. and that's a retirement income. Yeah, interesting. Um, So there will be a grand opportunity. Huh. Interesting. So you'll think a lot of selling might happen if they're if they're planning on tweaking capital gains. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, everyone, get out, get my tax incentive now. They've also talked about not doing 1031 exchanges yeah. as well, right? So you think that'll, obviously that's going to slow down the transaction rate of real estate. Because now oh, you got to yeah. factor in, oh, I'm paying taxes every time I buy and sell this property. Oh, yeah. Right? So interesting. So you think a lot of people will be dumping properties if that's the, the case. Oh, yeah, man. Because, Everyone's getting out. Because yeah. if you look at the buildings that I've bought, right? Um, anywhere, the biggest building we bought was that, that five-acre deal with 50,000 square feet sitting on it. They're not like mm-hmm. millions of square feet or anything. Mm-hmm. But... Those are usually a lot of times they're just owned by some dude, and that's mm-hmm. like he bought it, filled it up with his business, huh. and that's their their cash flow. Yeah, interesting. Okay, let's say if it goes right. Mm-hmm. Okay, if it, if it goes right, Trump wins. Um, we you know he had his 2017 taxes. Do you think more stimulus money is going to come? 
If the election's not on the line anymore? No. No? Not no, I, I think he'll be very, maybe a little bit, a tiny bit. Yeah. Maybe some more PPP. Mm -hmm. Maybe second round PPP. Um, I don't think he's going to fire off big checks to everybody mm -hmm. if he doesn't have to. So do you think, I mean, we've, last, I've heard this about this looming recession for the past five years. Right? Mm -hmm. well, there's going to be next, next, next spring that's going to be the recession or we're going to have this, this market correction. We haven't seen it because we've been, I, I, would, I was listening to Peter Schiff this morning about just juicing the economy with heroin, right? To just mm. get it higher and higher. Do you think that correction is going to come if, if we get Trump in, in office? That correction will come, or, or Biden, next, mm. I don't know, 2021, 2022? Do you think that correction is going to happen? Or it... Well, we've taken a correction already from COVID, right? Mm -hmm. The artificially induced one, right? Yeah. Um, and we took that, and that kind of got all the tension. You know, mm -hmm. it missed a lot of tension because mm -hmm. you had emotional tension, massive emotional tension. And then, and then the upswing. What I do see myself as equities, especially in, in tech, right? Mm -hmm. Pretty obvious that it will continue as companies continue to migrate for future infections and things like that, mm -hmm. that added paranoia. It'll mm -hmm. shift from the cubicle culture, right? To hybrid space, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So you'll see, you'll see that open area, but more spaced out and private offices. Mm -hmm. It's just a reconfiguration, almost like going back to the cubicle, right? Mm, interesting, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. An open floor plan. Mm -hmm. um, it's, uh, my dad always talked about this as well. He goes, just when the world changes, there's opportunity. Oh, yeah. Dot-com bubble, big opportunity. 2008 crash, big opportunity. Huge, huge. And in, in our lifetimes, you're probably going to miss a few, but you might take advantage of some few. Mm -hmm. And um, some people that you know we've met in our space, both of us, that took advantage of the last crash. Oh, yeah. And are 100 millionaire, billionaire type of people now because of, of correction. And so kind of what you're saying, I love the, that mentality. I, it could go right, it could go left. Either way, I'm gonna make a lot of money. I'm gonna take advantage of a change. When the, when the world changes, opportunities created for business people like us. There, there's a simple rule to guarantee, to a certain extent, your success. Hmm. And that's you know the, the dollar, law of dollar cost averaging. Hmm. And so whatever you invest, whatever you make, whatever you make, you wanna take a large portion of that every month and treat that like the biggest car payment you've ever had in the universe hmm. and allocate that for real estate or stocks, hmm. right? Um, because you really don't know where it's going to go. Yeah. So buy low, buy sell, buy high. It's fine. Yeah. Because, you know, when I look at real estate, I always look at a five-year-plus play. Mm -hmm. I'm always looking five-year-plus on anything, actually. And for business, it's going to be five years plus. probably going to be 10 years plus, 20 years plus mm -hmm. yeah. right, for that investment. You want it to get to that, that level. Yeah. So that's the psychology I look at. Huh, interesting. Yeah. Well, hey, it's been, it's been fun to have you on, Dan. Thanks, man. I want to uh, close today a little bit with your final notes. For someone getting into entrepreneurship or just life lessons that you've learned, what's, what's you know, you got, let's get, give you two minutes on the mic. What's mm. kind of your parting thought or word to this audience? You can even look at the camera mm -hmm. and, you know, speak to somebody through the camera right here. What's kind of your parting mm. advice or parting thoughts? I think one of the most important things is when we talked about is, is having integrity. Um, you have to be able to be that person that on a handshake, you would do it. You do what you say, even if it hurts, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, even if it's gonna like almost kill you, right? If it kills you, then you may want to think about it. But if, if it causes you a lot of pain, but it's what you said, you really, really want to make sure that you, you do what you say. That's, that's the integrity line. Because reputation and relationships are everything. Mm -hmm. And if you act that way, you're gonna start establishing a relationship with someone who does what they say, and you know, you'll get a lot of deals that are completely off market and things like that are brought to you because they know you can transact. They know you'll do what you say. And that doesn't matter whether you're doing real estate or you know, raising money or whatever it is. Again, that track record. And now with the way that the internet is, that track record gets permanently emblazoned into legacy forever. 
you, you can't get rid of that. And you, you get one, one run through life, right? And if you do get disintegrous, then it's really hard to come back from that, you know? Mm-hmm. So that, that'd, be the, that, that'd be the main driver. Mm-hmm. I love that, Dan. Mm-hmm. Um, don't underestimate the power of integrity. I think that's a oh, wise man. words. And mm-hmm. you, I've heard this few stories, we didn't cover them today, where you had to, you, you got stuck with, you had to pay the bill or foot the, the tab oh, yeah. because you gave someone your word. Yeah. And um, I, I've seen that in you and the stories you've told me about past business transactions. I think that goes a long way. And if, and, you, if you're getting your butt kicked, by the way, and you have to eat it, right, mm-hmm. or some massive pain, tell yourself something uh, one of my old mentors taught me is uh, that's why you get the big bucks, hmm. right? Because ultimately it's your responsibility. Mm, I love that. That's why, yeah, you mm-hmm. get yeah the best of both. Dan, thanks so much for coming in. How can people correct, connect with you online or see your, your company's programs? Give us a few links or places we can go to learn more about you. I would feed everyone to dansmillionairecode.com or uh, Instagram, dansmillionairecode, because there's links to all the companies I have and things like that. And, and usually, he's got a killer podcast, by the way, Dan's Millionaire Code. Dan's Millionaire go Code. Go check that podcast everywhere. out. There's a lot of interviews. Really great. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I actually really love it. It's a great oh, podcast. Um, we'll drop the links below as well in the show notes. So Dan Millionaire's podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry. Dan's Millionaire Dan's Code. Dan's Millionaire Code. Sorry, One word. Code podcast, though. It's the fine <laughs> and your show and everything. Yeah, thank you. Um, we'll drop those below. But Dan, thank you so much for coming on today. All right. Thank you, man. I yeah. appreciate you. Hey, want to hop on a one-on-one coaching call with me? Yeah, that's right. Every single week, we are selecting two people to hop on calls and discuss whatever you want to talk about for 30 minutes. We can talk about funds, family, finance, food. I don't care what it is. We're going to talk about it with you. So to get qualified, this is what you're going to do. You're going to comment and rate the show take a screenshot and then send me a direct message on Instagram. It's at Bridger underscore Pennington. Hit me up on Instagram and I'm just like two people every week. Hope it's you and we're going to hop on a 30 minute coaching call. See you then. Bye.